How you living? How you feeling? How you doing? Tom Brady. What a fucking legend. David Engberg, Brian Westbrook. We're going to recap the Super Bowl. Uh, what was, what will be in the future. And uh, man, all I can see right now is Ingber's bright blue flying Elvis Patriots jersey. Is that a Brady jersey it, or is it a Ben Coates it's my Ben Coates jersey, uh, as you know, is my favorite. Is it really? Yeah, of course, my Ben Coates jersey. It's the one I wear after any big Patriots win. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, last night was a Patriots win. I, I, During times of great stress, your brain can sort of make you see whatever you want to see. So my brain just sort of photoshopped uh, mid-2000s Patriots jerseys on Tom Brady and, uh, and Gronk. And Mike Evans was David Givens, as far as I'm concerned. Like, the names were close enough on the back of the jersey. So I just watched the Patriots win number seven, and it felt great. I'm feeling great today. I got my Tom Brady uh, miniature guy out. It's a great day for Patriots fans everywhere. <laughs> as my did you, did you get joy out of it, though? I weirdly did. I told you I didn't know how I was going to feel until he made the Super Bowl. And then the whole week, I was like, what the hell am I doing? I'm going to be rooting for Tom Brady on Sunday night. And mm-hmm. sure as I was. And it... It must have been really weird for these other 31 teams to watch him be this good on a different team all these years. I had no appreciation for that until today. Westbrook, what was it like for you to watch it go down? I appreciate greatness. I appreciate the fact that he's been to 10, that he's won now seven. I, I appreciate that. It was pretty cool um, to, to see it happen the way it did. I, I, I certainly was expecting a shootout. That didn't play out. But it was for me, it wasn't bad. I, I, I appreciated the fact that he went to a different team whole new organization, a whole new bunch of guys, and found a way to win to kind of throw it in everyone's face. Uh, I I, I like that. I didn't have a problem with that at all. It felt like to me when Kobe won that second time with like Pau Gasol and Lamar Odom, where I feel like early in Kobe's career, mainly because he knocked off the Sixers in the finals and said, I'm going to steal their hearts. I was like a very, I don't like Kobe guy. And then after a while, I saw him battle back. And I was like, how can you not appreciate who this guy is? Mm -hmm. And to see Brady, you know, leading the charge and realizing like this guy came in there and in 11 months took the culture to 11 and is in Honey Badger's face, like, like intimidating him. And, and just leading that charge and holding it up. And I think also, I'm just taken aback at, at the amount of love that Tom Brady has for his family. And I, I know this is uh, interesting, but like every time he makes a play, he looks up to where they sit. You know, we saw last week where like he called his son and then after the Super Bowl, you know, he's got like his teammates and everyone's happy, but he always has that wandering eye. And then he sees his kids and it's like, that's the only thing he can do. And I'm just like, you know, I just, I used to make fun of this dude for kissing his son in the mouth and like, and being <laughs> like you? Bill Belichick's. Yeah. Cause it was weird. He held it for a really long time, but now I'm just realizing like this guy just does not get distracted by any of the bullshit. He cares about his family and winning Super Bowls. And it's like, what else matters? You know, like if you're Tom Brady, what else matters? And the, the only other thing that I kept thinking about other than the refs calls in the first half, which we'll get into was damn Patrick Mahomes had some of the most incredible incomplete passes I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> That's true. On, I mean, on nine this toes. dude on, on nine toes is running in circles 
against the same guys that we praised at the end, Shaquille Barrett and JPP mm-hmm. and Vita Vey and all those guys. And, and then he's stopping on a dime and then he's either throwing it horizontal and hitting his receiver in the face and being dropped. Or I thought the one before it was more incredible where he rolls out and Shaquille Barrett is literally pulling his shoulders to the ground and he still somehow throws it and it goes perfectly to the corner of the end zone where Byron Pringle hits him in the hand. Mm -hmm. And I, I just, I was more amazed at some of those plays um, and it just, it wasn't their day. I, I texted Ingber halfway through the game. I bet uh chief's money line at halftime and I took him plus seven and a half. Cause I was like, I've seen this story before. Um, but man, the, the bucks just did not stop for net Evans, Antonio Brown, but I'll turn it over to you, Mr. Uh, former football player. It was, it was it as simple as the Eric Fisher injury. It was just too much pressure on Mahomes for them to get their offense clicking. Well, I, I kind of think Andy Reid went back to his old Philadelphia ways, got a, completely away from the run game. And, and you know, I guess as I'm saying that, how could you not? How could you not just say, okay, Patrick Mahomes, you're the reason why we're here. Just go do your thing. Allow him to be himself. I also thought that that defense had gotten away with things all year long, in particular Breland. I mean, he's been holding people literally all year long. That secondary has been called for a bunch of penalties all year long. And Patrick Mahomes has been able to save them. But when you talk about the injuries to the offensive line, the injury to Patrick Mahomes, which was obvious uh, early on with the toe, he just wasn't able to come up with those types of plays that um, typically have saved them. And you also mentioned something that really didn't happen all season long for the Col- I mean, for the Chiefs, the drops. Travis Kelsey every now and then will have an issue with the drops but he will figure his way out throughout the game. Yeah. As a team, I mean, they dropped, I don't know, four or five balls yesterday that are huge plays, and you just can't win against a Tom Brady-led team that's not going to make mistakes. Same type of thing that they used to say about the Patriots back in the day, David, is that they're not going to make mistakes. And yesterday, the Chiefs certainly made way too many mistakes against a very good football team. Ingber, that, that stat on the Mahomes scramble yards – Read that. That is crazy. This is from Next Gen Stats that Mahomes ran for 497 yards before his passes and sacks on Sunday, the most pre-throw or pre-sack run by any quarterback in any game this season. So basically about a third of a mile that he had to run scrambling for his life. I can't remember a single game where a quarterback was that fast, that agile, and just had two 350-pound linebackers just bearing down on him. I felt like on every dropback. As Diana Rossini said, 52% of his dropbacks, he was under pressure. And I go back to our talk with Warren Sharp. That was the only part about Warren's analysis that didn't come true. You know, Warren said, if you see that play action pass from Brady on that first play, that means that Arians gets it. And that the game plan was exactly like the second half of the, of the week 12 matchup across the middle, misdirection, Gronk, Antonio Brown, Godwin working that. The only thing that didn't happen was Mahomes being great under pressure, but it felt like more pressure uh, than ever before. Um, I also think we didn't really get the chance to talk about it because we this was after we started recording. The, the family tragedy for the Reeds, for what happened with his son Britt, where apparently he had been drinking. This is all alleged because we don't know the full details yet, mm-hmm. but apparently was in a car crash and there was a five-year-old girl in ICU right now. Yeah. 
And and if you want to say it didn't bear anything, this is Andy Reid has had family stuff like this before, so it's going to hit him. It's going to anybody, but also in his opening statements, he he brought it up and said, "My prayers go out to this girl who currently is in the hospital." So you and 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 is in stable condition, but you know he's thinking about it, and it it made me think about the last Bucks Super Bowl, Bucks Raiders, where Barrett Robbins were like left the day before and it kind of put everybody into disarray. But Westbrook, I'm curious, like Andy is a sentimental, emotional guy, but it's also his son. Yeah. And he was a coach on the staff. Do you how big of a role do you think that played? Well, to, first of all, prayers to that whole family. Everyone involved in the situation, 100%. the Reeds, obviously, but the for the two young children that were involved in that in that that deal in the family. Uh, certainly prayers to them. But you started earlier and you mentioned Tom Brady's acute awareness of where his family is and, and how he embraces them after the game and things like that. As a coach, even with your coach and your son on your staff, you're saying, oh, hey, you still care for them. You still love them. You still love them the same. He's still your son. And so anything like this absolutely will distract you. Um, absolutely, you're thinking about. I remember back when we played in the Super Bowl and Freddie Mitchell had made a couple comments. I don't know if you guys remember this. He mentioned about um, they had a guy named William Gay on their on the on the uh, Patriots. Yes. He was like, yeah, they got a guy named that that's gay on the Patriots. He they got a guy to go both ways, talking about Troy Brown playing on offense and defense. So he made some crazy comments like that, and Andy was going to send him home because he didn't want the distraction. He didn't want anything to get in the way the focus of playing in the game. The same way that we talked about Tom Brady's focus on playing the game, mm. this tragedy had to affect Andy Reid. You want to be singularly focused on winning the football game, and this happens on a Friday when you're game planning, going through your game plan and just making sure you got all your T's crossed and your I's dotted. It had to weigh on him. It also, I mean, he's a coach on the football team too, so it, you know maybe it played a part in the game planning as well. But um, terrible situation. Um, it's unfortunate, but you know he. Britt has to be smart. I, I watched Britt grow up. I literally, literally mm. watched him grow up from a little kid that came and watched me at Villanova until when I, you know, I got drafted and played there for a long time. He was in school, um, so he, he has to make better decisions. There, there was no other, no other way to look at mm. look at that. I'm going through some of the stats that Ingber sent us, and it's it's very interesting to me. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah said that Kansas City used five man protection on 92 percent of the dropbacks. And I just, sure, you know, like Kelsey can block and you can get guys chipping stuff. But the fact that even after that first half, Westbrook, you see Mahomes is clearly not 100%. Mm -hmm. And yet you're still not throwing in anybody extra there to give him some time. That just didn't make any sense to me. Well, again, you, you do what you've done all season long. All season long, he's been able to beat the blitz, beat the pressure. And it really wasn't the blitzing that was getting him yesterday. It was a front four. But the, the biggest part of that front four in that design was they weren't going to allow Patrick Mahomes to go to his first read. Whatever his first read was, he wasn't allowed to go there. Now you have to regroup and then take another step. And that allows that front four mm. more time to get to the quarterback. And so that's really all that it was. They did two things you know, in a, in a great way yesterday when we talk about the Tampa's defense. They took away the, the, the uh, first read, and then they didn't allow any deep passes. And if you take no. away those two things from Kansas City, if you have the ability to yeah. do it, not, not every team has that same ability. If you have that ability now, oh, and you have Patrick Mahomes on nine toes, now you have the ability to potentially beat the Chiefs, especially if they're going to make some mistakes in the game. 
an incredible game plan from Todd Bowles. It felt like they were um, taking away both sides of the routes for Kelsey and Tyreek. Kelsey would run up, and if it was a zone, we got a guy on the left and a guy on the right. Mm -hmm. And then if they were playing man, I mean, Devin White and Levante David were so physical, so aggressive, getting it done. Um, No, but I, I thought there was a lot of, you know, questionable stuff for Andy, like you were saying that. And then also the timeouts before the first half, huge, um, huge. where that felt like I was playing Madden and I was like, oh, I'm going to get the ball back. And it was like, you are, you're giving Tom Brady more time. Stop. It was just, there, it felt like there was a lot of, of, of moments where we could question Andy Reid after this. Game. You know what Andy always thinks he wants to be the last to score before a half and the first to score after the half, right? And so he's thinking, score before the half and then get the ball back, we'll score. And we're right in the game. We're right where we need to be at. He wants to be aggressive. And you, you got to, mm. to me, I actually, now in hindsight, I'm saying, hey, that was probably a big mistake. But I, if, during the time, I'm saying, this is what I want our coach to be. You're playing against the greatest of all time and Tom Brady, right? You have to be aggressive. You got to find a way to get some momentum headed into the locker room. Now, it didn't work out. We all know that. But I mean, maybe your defenders can keep guys in front of them. Maybe they can try to do that. Maybe they can try to stop holding. Maybe they can try that. You have some faith and confidence in your guys on the defensive side of the ball. It just didn't work out for them in that situation. How bad did you think the penalties were in the first half? I saw that the 90 yards of penalties was the most in a quarter ever. Well, I I kind of felt – Especially, I'll just say that the pass interference in the end zone on Tyron Matthews – That was a bad call. To me, both of the 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 pass interferences on that drive were uncatchable balls. Yeah. You know, like out of the back of the end zone. And, you know, e- even if it was just a legal contact, if you want to call that or or a hold, but to give them the ball in the one, uh it just it, it they a lot of those calls felt questionable. Well, I, I just compare it to what we saw throughout the playoffs. We we saw a lot of teams holding, grabbing, interfering. And there was nothing called. And for it to be called in the, the Super Bowl, the biggest game of them all, and have the, the the referees have an impact in this game, especially in the first half, that's not what anybody wanted. Not the NFL, not the teams, not certainly not the fans. We wanted the refs to be a an afterthought, and they seemed to place themselves in the forefront of that football game early on in the game. That just didn't seem right for the situation. Yeah, I uh, I guess I said somebody said on on Twitter that uh, that we said that the Eric Fisher stuff was overblown. It was not. I mean, uh, apparently, what was what's Mahomes's record with and without uh, Eric Fisher, Ingber? Yeah, I saw this. This was unbelievable. They were forty and six with Eric Fisher, uh, and sort of without him, they're just four and four. So that's obviously a small sample size without Eric Fisher, but that discrepancy in winning percentage does. Uh, does tell the story. Westbrook knows we see this with Lane Johnson and the Eagles. Yep. You know, when Lane's there, their, their winning percentage is insanely, but it's Bill Cowher loved it. He loves talking about the trenches. I don't, I don't know if you guys saw it, but the one thing you worry about and, and Patrick Mahomes is not immune to this as special as he is. The one thing you worry about from an offensive perspective is when the quarterback starts getting hit and instead of focusing downfield, they bring their eyes down to the rush. And what you saw in that game was after, you know, maybe a quarter or so, Patrick Mahomes wasn't focused downfield trying to throw the ball. He started looking at the rush and looking at different ways for him to escape. And when you do that, you miss guys. That, that's how you started missing guys that were open a little bit earlier, just not being able to find the guys down the field because he's worried about getting hit. He's worried about getting sacks. 
Um, and, and that's a concern offensively uh, for your quarterback, getting his eyes down, start looking at the rush. That happened early on in that football game. All right, enough of the the Chiefs side of it. You have to give the credit where credit is due to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, oh, no who they were the better team. They just were. They were the tougher team. Uh, I thought that they're I, – I didn't really ever feel a moment where I went, this Chiefs defense can keep up. It just it, – it, it felt like they were going side to side and, and moving them around. Ingber, read off some of these Brady all-time win stats. Just machine gun us. Uh, because th- th- when you hear it out loud, it just puts it into perspective how crazy this guy is. Yeah, from ESPN Stats and Info, he's now the first player in NFL history with multiple titles after turning 40. <laughs> just unbelievable. Putting him in the company of guys like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Eno Slaughter, just guys that played forever. Uh, Dove Kleiman noted that Tom Brady now has more Super Bowls with seven by himself than any NFL team in their history, in the 100-year history of the NFL. (laughs) Um, One stat that I found sort of by accident while fishing for stats last night was that Tom Brady, with his seven titles, now has as many titles as the Detroit Lions have uh, playoff wins since uh, they were founded in 1930, which I thought was insane. Um, And then just in terms of how how incredible this particular team run was. It's the first team with four 30-point games in a postseason. Um, they they took down some Hall of Famers along the way, including Taylor Heineke, as you know. Um, and then just to put him in perspective with some of the greats that people are going to refer to as his contemporaries, you know, the same way that we think of like Montana and Elway as kind of like the same generation from the 80s to the 90s. If you talk about Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, and Peyton Manning, he now has as many playoff wins as those three guys combined, which is unbelievable. Now, Aaron Rodgers might end up with a winner to a couple more wins. Who knows how long he'll play. Tom Brady might play for another couple of years. But just at this stage of their career, I feel like those four guys all kind of played the same 15, 20-year era, and Tom Brady had as many playoff wins as those other three that are considered kind of on his tier uh, in this century combined. So he is at seven. Jordan is at six. And don't count out Jordan. He might win another one, right? He might just strap on the tank top at some point. Here's a here's a debate that I have internally. I think it's harder to win a Super Bowl because I think you have less control. You know what I mean? Because there's so many factors, and I think that like you get aged quicker in the NFL, and like you only get to play half a time. But then I also go, well, NBA championships, like you have more control, you know, because you you are on both sides. Like I think it's harder to win a Super Bowl, but I think you have more control if you win an NBA championship. Um, but I'm getting to the point now where if you're putting that all-time Mount Rushmore up, it's Jack Nicholas. It's Tom Brady for the NFL, and it's not even a debate. Like, it's not even close. It's Michael Jordan or LeBron. Um, Serena. 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 Um, Muhammad Ali. Base, Muhammad Ali. I don't know. Hank Aaron. I'm not even sure who the baseball one would be. Mike Trout. Um, <laughs> I don't know. But, like, what, what do you think? What do you think of a Brady-Jordan debate? Like, who is the better athlete? Well, 
when you when you throw the word athlete in there, it just kind of takes me out of Tom Brady altogether. But I mean, as far okay. as a only from the athletic well, what word, word what word who's, could the discussion who is be the 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 greatest of all time when you talk about champions, the best champion, right? The champion of champions, champion. champion of champions, right? So you. I am a victim of the moment at all times. So, I mean, when something just happened, I'm a victim of the sure. moment. I, I have to say Tom Brady. And, and here's why it, it makes more sense to me now. The time period, 21 years that he's been able to win. His first Super Bowl was in 2002. That's 19 years mm-hmm. ago. How do you be consistent enough to win three in the early 2000s and then win another three, you know, in the, you know, in the, the teens I mean, it's just hard to be consistent that long and to play and be effective for that long. But I think just as important, he went to a new team and everybody talks about continuity. Everybody talked about, well, they don't have any OTAs and mini camps and training camp was different. And it was a Corona season and they still figured a way out. They were seven and 12 at one point. They played the uh, Chiefs and they just figured things out. They got better. And to this point, I I think is very important. They were playing better football than anybody else. And, and I, I, I hate to say it because I, I like Green Bay to beat them, but they were playing better football along that stretch than anybody else in the league. And if you watch the season close enough, you also see that the Chiefs weren't playing great football. They were finding ways to win, but they weren't playing great football the entire time. Patrick Mahomes is just special. And they they had a yeah. bunch of flaws. But I think when you when you started earlier, you mentioned about where does the credit lie? And I think you have to give Todd Bowles a bunch of credit. I give Byron Leftwich a bunch of credit yeah. as well in his ability to bring things together. But to to your uh, your point, I think Bruce Arians deserves a bunch of credit too. And then obviously he does. He's a Super Bowl winning coach. We understand that. But he took a staff that nobody was willing to assemble. Three minority coordinators. Uh, they also had an uh, assistant head coach minority and two female coaches that were literally coaching. And one was in the weight room. I think one was in tight ends or linebackers. And they found a way to win. That should be the standard in the NFL. That should be, that should say to all the other teams, it can happen. We can do the same thing. And, you know, we're, we're fighting in the fight where we're saying, you know, we got to make this, this league more diverse in the upstairs management, the CEOs, the presidents, the owners, as well as the GMs. And then, of course, the coaching level, you know, Bruce Arians said, hey, I'm just going to groom some great coaches. And those coaches now have Super Bowl rings. And it's because of Bruce Arians and bringing them on. And, and I appreciate that uh, more than anything when we talk about this. Westbrook, I, I said that on the Dan Lebitard show. I said, when Sean McVay simply made it to the Super Bowl, we started hiring anybody that even got close to him because when you get to that stage, yeah. it becomes an example of a way to get to that stage. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it's the most diverse staff by the longest of long, like it's not even close. Every single coordinator. Um, I, I think that, you know, we we want to champion Bruce Arians for, for, you know, being able to just go out there and say, you know, this is my staff. At the same point though, Todd Bowles deserves another chance. Oh, no doubt. Byron Leftwich deserves a chance to be a head coach. Like, we're, we're, we're reaching a point now where it's like, I'm done with the participation trophies. I'm done with the like, hey, I'm so glad that they did that. I'm ready to start seeing change. To bring it back to the Jordan thing one more time, I got, I got some more stats on Brady. 
the 19 year span between champions is a North American major sports record. Um, the all sports record is Jack Nicholas, uh, who won in 62 and then 86, 24 years, but golf, golf and is a football, little different. golf to football is insane. This is Brady's fifth Super Bowl MVP. It breaks a tie with LeBron James for second most championship round MVPs. And now he only trails Michael Jordan in the four major sports. And he is the first NFL player to win championships in three different decades. <laughs> Babe Ruth, Joe DiMaggio, and Yogi Berra, and Jim Palmer did it in baseball, and Henri Richard and Pele did it. And again, I just want to say that baseball, especially, and also like the eras of these sports like the amount of teams and the level of like competition was down. Like the Yankees had the same players for damn near 15 years. And like, if you played, you went to the Yankees and they're like smoking cigarettes and eating hot dogs at halftime. And like, it's baseball. Okay. Like it, their managers wear uniforms and, and to compare Jack Nicholas and stuff to Tom Brady in the modern era where we, we can go, if you sent Tyreek Hill back to the sixties, he would be better than Jim Thorpe, you know, but now in 2021, Tom Brady is out here with a full head of hair looking spry. And I just don't know if I ever want to eat a tomato ever again. Like I, I, I had a piece of pizza yesterday and I'm looking at Tom Brady and I'm like, I'm a loser. <laughs> Cause you just, you realize like Tom Brady is the optimum human. He is constantly getting better every day. He is constantly refining. He allows no negative shit to come in. Everyone thinks he's cool. He's got a great healthy family. You just, you reach a point with Tom Brady where you're like, I think he's the perfect human. Like I think of, I think that evolution starts with like a, an amorphous blob, eventually turns into like a monkey, and then a Neanderthal, and I think it ends with Tom Brady. Like I, I think he is humanity per perfected. You know, one of the things I think Tom Brady realized this year, where he was, it felt like he was wound really, really tight in New England. This year, he seemed like he'd opened up a little bit. It seemed like the the teammates embraced him. He had a bunch of younger guys on that team. But he still was able to keep his focus, which I think is pretty cool because for me, it was either one or the other. I couldn't be unwound and be focused. It was on game tape. It, it was all focused on the football game. I didn't see. I didn't want to joke around. I didn't see anything. I couldn't look at my parents. Couldn't look at my friends. It was football. Yeah. But I, he was cold as shit. Yeah. I just felt like Tom was like, listen, this year I can enjoy it a little bit more and still be focused on the game and still be able to win. And, and I appreciate that as a former player. That, that's one of the things that I, I, I appreciate more this season than anything was watching his focus, his ability to say, nothing's going to get me off track. I'm doing this for me. This is about our team and we're going to win. Screw everything else. Mm. And, and guess what? Also, I'm going to bring in some guys that play with me in New England. I'm going to bring in Gronk. I'm going to bring in a, uh, my, my friend Antonio Brown. And we're just going to find a way to win. And that's it. Mm. And I, I think there's a thing I of beauty. I saw a video from Sean Murphy Bunting, who is a corner on the Bucks. Mm -hmm. Had a great game. He he uh, early on in that game knocked away a possible touchdown pass 
when uh, Mahomes drew JPP offsides, but he played great. He had picks in like almost every playoff game. And there was a video of him in the hat cocked a little to the side. He had the t-shirt on over the pads. You could tell he was right in the mix of the champagne and the dancing and all that stuff. And then he shows Tom Brady by his locker by himself, just putting his shit away. And he's like, this guy, he's like, this is usual for him. This is normal for him. And I know that everyone's been joking about whether or not is Belichick happy or not and all that stuff. I believe this. <laughs> I believe that if I was on the Patriots right now, not about whether or not, no one can touch Belichick's legacy, okay? He was an incredible defensive coordinator for the Giants that activated Lawrence Taylor to his full uh, capability. He came in there and built the Patriots and has sustained it for a very long time. In my mind, he's the greatest coach that's ever been in the NFL. However... If I'm an active player on the Patriots and I'm seeing this happening, I am wondering, was that the magic sauce? And also the fact that everyone is saying that Tom Brady stepped forth, stepped foot into that facility and brought that culture right away. Now I'm also wondering, is Belichick able to execute? Because I will never question his X and O's and his preparation, but his ability to maintain a culture how much of that was because of Tom Brady? The number one thing that Sims used to say to me and all former Patriots from Randy Moss on down, the reason Belichick can do what he did is because he called out Brady and Brady took it. That he would go out there after a practice and go, the kid uh, at the local high school could have made that pass, Tom, and Tom takes it. Randy Moss always tells that story. And you're like, man, you're shitting on Tom Brady. He's take it. Who am I? And so now I'm wondering... If Brady really is that tone setter for everybody, what are we about to see happen in New England? And so it's just an interesting question. I don't think it diminishes his legacy, but in my mind, it cements Brady's legacy. And now that he's got a win over Mahomes, he's got goat insurance. That even if even if Mahomes wins five or six, well, you did face off in a Super Bowl and Brady beat you. He's got insurance now. So that that's just my my read on the whole Belichick vibe. You, you know, David, I was thinking about that Belichick thing too, and you probably, you, since you're a, a New England fan, you probably could speak to it more. But I, I kind of feel that Brady, that that uh, not Brady, but Belichick could get back. I, I really do. I feel that not that you're going to find another Tom Brady. It's hard to find. These are once in a lifetime players. But can you find a guy that you can coach hard that you can ride and expect great things from? Absolutely. Now it's going to be harder than finding Cam Newton. It's going to be harder than just simply trying to bring in a, uh, a free agent quarterback. But at the same time, you can find that guy and coach him in the right direction. And hopefully he has talent. He may never be Tom Brady. Let, let's just get that clear. But you can ride guys. You can coach guys hard and you find a way to win. I, I, I have no doubt in my mind that players still want to go to New England and play for Bill Belichick and that they'll find a way to win even without Tom Brady. I'm, I'm confident of that. What, what do you think? Yeah, Ingmar, are you are you questioning Belichick at all after this? <laughs> no, not at all. Um, I think was it Brady or was it Belichick uh, implies that there has to be one correct answer, mm. and that's just simply not the case. That if you had asked me that question in 2006 
how did we get our championships this century? Was it Belichick or Brady? The answer is definitely Belichick more so than Brady Mm -hmm. because all Brady had to do was put up 20 points against that unbelievable Rams offense that could only muster 17 points against us in 2001. Then you go to 2016 and Atlanta and it was Tom Brady, Tom Brady, Tom Brady. So it was like that one was all Tom Brady. And then you go to the Rams Super Bowl again in 2018, and Belichick shut down that unbelievable Sean McVay offense to only three points. So was that Tom Brady that magically shut down Jared Goff and Cooper Cup? No. So, like, there are certain – if you want to actually go to his Super Bowl losses as well, Tom Brady got them a lead against the Giants, and then Belichick's amazing defense surrendered another touchdown drive to Eli Manning and Mario Manningham and all those guys. So it's like, was it Tom Brady's fault that Bill Belichick's defense let him down? No. Was it – like, does Tom Brady get the credit for Bill Belichick having an incredible defense that shut them down? He only had to put up 13 points and 20 points to win certain Super Bowls? No. Mm. I mean, against the Eagles, Tom Brady put up 31 points or 33 points, and they lost. They got their butts kicked in a way. And this time he puts up 31 points, and he wins in a massive, you know, 22-point yeah. victory. So I, as you mentioned, within the NBA, there's a lot of things you can control. If you're an NFL quarterback, there's a lot of things on offense you can control, and there's a lot of things about the game and the game plan that you cannot control. And once you're up by 22 points and your defense knows what Patrick Mahomes is going to be doing on every single down, they're going to have to be throwing deep because they need chunk plays. It just totally changes the complexion of the game. And so to say that Tom Brady is is more important to these championships or Bill Belichick, his legacy is tainted because Tom Brady did something unbelievable with Bruce Aarons and, uh, and Todd Bowles and company down in Florida. That to me is ridiculous. Bill Belichick is an incredible coach. Tom Brady is an incredible quarterback. And let's just celebrate that two guys happened to be together for two, two unbelievable decades. I, I was also, I don't know about you Westbrook, but like Gronk was fucking retired <laughs> partying <Yeah>. on Shaq's <laughs> yeah. shoulders and just grinding on anything with a pulse and doing commercials and on like Fox Sunday morning pregame and most, yeah, wrestling. And most of the year he kind of looks stiff. I remember that, that Buck saints game week one, I came on and I was like, Gronk ain't got it anymore. I was like, and, and we all agreed. Like he looked really slow. That was a different guy. And, and I just to see the, the power that, that Brady kind of has to inspire, um, cause you know, Gronk ain't coming back for anybody other than that. And it's just, I love their dynamic because Brady, I feel like thinks everything out and Gronk, Gronk is like, Brady, take me to game. <laughs> like I just, I, I still can't get over what I saw from Gronk yesterday. Like that was, that was crazy. Well, he looked amazing. He looked young, but how, we talked about it on the pod last week. How do you beat the uh, Chiefs? You use your tight ends. Cameron Brady, I thought he was going to have a great game. He didn't show up as much, but that's because Gronk was getting off. He was open, running away from guys, finding a way to get open. And again, I think Byron Leftwich schemed a really good game plan to get him one-on-one in a position where they they couldn't stop him. Here's a question. What was the strength of the Chiefs? Was it Byron Leftwich drafted after Tom Brady? I want to say Leftwich probably drafted – yeah, I thought that Byron Leftwich was in was Byron Leftwich in that 2004 year with Big Ben and Eli and Rivers, and he was like 10. Yeah, 2003 draft. Yeah, three. Okay. I, yeah, I, I played against Byron Leftwich in, in high school. After Brady and he's the OC. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I, I I think um yeah I think the world of him. I I played against Byron Leftwich in high school. Cool dude. Such a cool. Um, I, I'm just I'm happy because it, it it takes a different type of coach 
to be able to accept Tom Brady coming in there. Bruce Arians said, hey, we're going to allow Tom to coach. But Byron Leftwich, the offensive coordinator, they had to collaborate on what do you like, what do I like versus what you've done in the past. And they've done a lot of things different from what has happened um, in, in New England. And, and when you guys were talking about New England, this is what I was thinking. No matter what we say about Brady and Belichick, the Patriots weren't able to have this type of team in New England this season or, or the next couple of seasons, right? Because of the salary cap, they went all in to win those last couple of championships. They didn't have enough money or talent on their roster to be close to this football team. Tom needed to go to a place where he could be a little bit freer. That's where you bring in Bruce Arians, but also they had a whole bunch of talent around him. You look at that defense, that's a talented defense. We know that. But offensively, he had some guys bringing in Gronk that just had just supreme talent compared to the guys he had in New England. But at the same point, Gronk was literally retired and Leonard Fournette was waived yeah. so that the rest of the league was not going and going, these guys are talented. Like the Jacksonville Jaguars said, we'd rather not have Leonard Fournette on our team. And they scooped him up. So it's, I think it's very easy after the Super Bowl to look at Leonard Fournette and Gronk and be like, oh, of course. But it's like when Gronk came back, people were like, he ain't got nothing left in the motherfucking tank. Right. You know, and, and, credit to Jason Light where it really sounds like Tom Brady knew he wanted to go to Tampa. So I don't want to give him too much credit for that, but to nail Tristan Wirfs in the first round and to nail Antoine Winfield Jr. in the second round to maximize this window with impact rookies in addition to big name free agents, they fucking nailed it. Antoine Winfield, big pick at the end of the game puts the deuces right into Tyree Kill's face in their first matchup. Tyree Kill did a backflip in his face. Mm -hmm. uh, I was in some group chats where people were like, I love it. If you can dish it, you got to take it. And people were responding like, I like people that win with class. If this was baseball, you're getting hit with a fastball the next pitch. I'm curious, Brian Westbrook. When you saw the deuces, it definitely made me feel a type of way. Like I was like, oh, that was a lot. What did you think about Winfield Jr. throwing the deuces in Tyreek's grill? I had no problem with it at all. I mean, it, it it happens in sports all the time. You saw the trash talk between the Honey Badger and Tom Brady. This is the most important game of the season, the thing that you have worked your entire life to get to. I had no issue with it at all. I think it was it was appropriate, and I think that if I was Winfield, I probably would have done the same thing, even though I wasn't that type of player. But why not? That's exactly with 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 uh, the cheetah deserved at that point, and also like think about it. We talked about that first quarter performance from Tyreek Hill yeah. for months, and so you know that those guys were watching those highlights and hearing about it and seeing it and all that mm -hmm. stuff. Also, I would I would say too, um, throwing up the deuces like right in his grill. Oh man, um, I. Yeah, I don't I don't like when people get on their high horse about like have class. Yeah. And it's like that you've never been in a situation like that for you to even know how you would act. And like this guy knows that he's going to win the Super Bowl. Um, but I don't know. I just I always get rubbed wrong when people are like, no, you gotta be classier. Yeah. Well, oh, and, and, like, what, what Wimbledon? Yeah. Like, shut the fuck he, he's up. He's winning the most important game in a sport, the biggest game ever. Oh, and he's 21, and he's he had been a hell of a game. So, yeah, all those things to me were appropriate. I had no issue with it at all. 
again, if you could dish it out, you probably should be able to take it too. And I, I'm sure Tyreek Hill felt the same way. Mm. Uh, biggest question that I have for you guys. Thoughts on the weekend's halftime performance? We're going to start with Ingber for – actually, I want to hear Westbrook's real raw because I know that if Ingber gives like an artistic evaluation, it's going to impact Westbrook. So, Westbrook, let's go to you first. Well, it, it probably wouldn't impact me at all because I, I glanced at it. It was like, I wonder what's going on. I remember the bandages, and I'm like, eh, I'm out. I'm going to play with the kids the entire halftime break, the entire halftime so I can have a peaceful wow. second half. I went to play with the kids for however long, an hour long that halftime took. I was playing with the children. Couldn't even see most of it at all. So I, I wouldn't know. David, Uninterested. No, I, I, you know, I, this year I wasn't interested in the commercials. I wasn't interested in the halftime. My wife is cracking up at the commercials, having a great time. I wasn't interested in either one. I was only interested in the game this year because I was hoping for a shootout. I'm one of the two best okay. quarterbacks that we've seen in recent history to have a shootout. And we didn't get that during the game. And so I was kind of checked out uh, during the timeouts and the, 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 the halftime as well. Engber, your musical and theatrical review of the weekend. Now I wish I had gone first because my answer is basically the same as Brian's, where I had told my wife I'm going to watch every minute of this game because we have a podcast tomorrow and I don't want to sound like an idiot and having missed any plays <laughs> or any calls. But if you need me for about 20 or 30 minutes when the weekend is performing, I can definitely help out with the kiddo or my wife, uh, she has an audition for a movie coming up. So she wanted me to take a look at her self tapes. It, it was like that was my 30 minute, 20 minute window where I could do all the fatherly and husbandly things. So I did them all as soon as I could during that window uh, and put my daughter is to bed. Is this what my future is going to be yes. when I get married and have kids? Exactly. This is one of those, when people say like, you don't know about being a dad until you're a dad, this is what they mean. It's, you know, like yeah. you can imagine a lot of the things about being a dad, I'm sure. But the fact that you have a four hour window carved out to watch a Super Bowl game, and now you've got 30 minutes free that you don't have to be glued to the television, you better be doing something fatherly or husbandly. This is great for all the young guys out there or or women out there that are listening. Okay, what else? Westbrook, you were about to chime in. Well, what else do I need to learn? Well, here? this is what I, you have to do. You have to plan out your day in advance. So starting on Friday night, I said, I'm going to go kids Nodding in agreement. Yeah. <laughs> hardcore, hardcore kids. We're jumping all around. We're playing. We're throwing each other against the wall, having a great time. Saturday morning, getting up early. Kids, we're having some fun right now. Saturday night, same type of thing. Sunday morning, playing around, having a great time. But listen, right around 530, don't talk to me. You got to stay on your side of the room. We've played enough. And they were worn out. This is It was it was perfect. The plan was executed to- purposely them out on Absolutely. Friday and Saturday. You got to have a game. As a, plan, as a parent, you got to plan. You got to plan lunch and dinner and all this other stuff. If you want to have four hours to David's point carved out, then you got to you gotta do two, three days in advance of planning, of just getting them wow. tired. That's it. You got to do that. Absolutely. Um, okay. So my review of the weekend, because uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm apparently the only guy that watched it, I, I candidly I thought it was good. I'm I'm one of those people that when I go to a movie, there's popcorn. I got cherry Coke. I got an hour and a half. I'm going to really enjoy it no matter what, unless it's really an affront to my sensibilities. Mm -hmm. But the weekend I thought was good. I thought his music was good. There was the story that he put seven or $8 million of his own money to take it to the next That's level. Crazy. And I watched it. I went, I think he put it all in a fireworks. <laughs> I feel like he was like, I just want, fireworks because fireworks as we've heard are very expensive so that's my read on that in terms of the performance 
after seeing Beyonce in person at halftime, after seeing Bruno Mars, which I would say is one of the best, knowing what Prince did in Miami, JT. at this point, I am I am genuinely uninterested. I thought Lady Gaga's was great. If you're not a full-on performer, if you're not dancing and doing stuff, if you're just walking around a stage and singing, I it just it doesn't get me as excited. Uh Shakira and JLo, mm. the energy last year was wild. They were dancing and they had choreography. Weekend had one move, which was like this weird foot shuffle that uh Michael Michael Jackson would do a little bit. Um, but I, I just thought, I, th- I thought it was good. Um, but for me, I, I'm always amazed when I go on Twitter and I see people that are like, this was the greatest halftime performance of all time. And I'm like, go watch Prince in Miami in a torrential downpour on a stage with six inch heels doing what Prince does and just rocking out as Rex Grossman's getting rocked by the Colts. Like, I I genuinely love... Like, Bruno Mars, to me, oh. was the ultimate halftime show I was wrong about. Bruno Mars played every instrument in, in that halftime show. <laughs> Drums, guitar, he sang, he danced, he did everything. He was he was pretty awesome. Who do we have for our Super Bowl? Justin Timberlake? Just, hey, Justin Timberlake, yeah. I, I, I like that Super Bowl halftime, too. Yeah, he was, that good. was good. Yeah, yeah I want to see versatility. I want to see, you know, like this is this is your time to shine. You know, Katy Perry had left shark. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like that's what everyone remembers from her. But I thought weekend was was good. I kind of vaguely, I, I was reading through articles this morning. He was trying to make a a social statement though, and I think we can't about something. You saw all the. Uh, all, I just kind of vaguely. Well, I think he was trying to make the statement that we need to appreciate beauty in its essence. And again, don't get me wrong. I didn't see the whole show. Well, that's weird because I thought it was about how all of his songs are about cocaine. And he has a song called I Can't Feel My Face When I'm With You. Oh. And I was like, oh, that's that's. What oh, I yes. I didn't I didn't I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know all of that. But yeah, me and David are, are lost here. But, I, you know, I, I thought he was trying to make us. <laughs> he was trying to make a statement about something. And that's why he had the old the whole face going on. But I, I don't know. Who knows? I didn't. There, they, we did get a meme out of it when he was inside and he was like kind of frantically looking around. That'll last for a very long Yeah. Are you guys here? Yeah, we're back. Oh, I just. Yeah, you paused for a second when I got you now. When you were making fun of the weekend, making fun of that that face, that's exactly what you did on my side. <laughs> Say it again. What? I said when you were making fun of the weekend, making that funny face, that meme, that's exactly what you did on my side. You were like, Damn. Um, and then I the the commercials. Ingber, I heard you talking about the commercials, I think. Did you did you have any favorites for the commercials? Um See, that's what happens is I don't like, I don't write them down as they're coming. They just kind of like wash over me like that was funny. That was strong. The thing that I noticed though, watching the commercials was that so many of them have that feeling of we're doing a serious commercial. It's really serious. Here's a serious thing. And now the silly punchline, right? Like that's the setup of a lot of Super Bowl commercials. 
But some of them are very serious where they're talking about like healthcare workers mm-hmm. during COVID or they're talking about people being unemployed and it's a, for a job website for and you're waiting for the turn. You're watching like, oh, this is going to be hilarious. And then the commercial just fades out and you're like, oh, I feel like an a-hole now because I thought this was going to be funny. Right. That, I, I just We need to change up the way we do Super Bowl humor because it's so predictable. Every one of those commercials starts the same way. I, I think I enjoyed the Norway one with Will Ferrell the most. Uh, I also enjoyed the Fiverr where they did the whole play on the four seasons. Uh, Mm -hmm. And like, I mean, they really nailed the timeliness of it. But I really think at this point, it's like my dream to just get a check to be one of like the one thirtieth of a, of a Super Bowl commercial where they like pan over and it's like Stanley from the office. And then it's like somebody else. I just want to be in one of those where I'm like, I didn't ask for Brussels sprouts and then like somewhere else. Like, I just want to check for that. You know, I was, I was a little, and this has nothing to do with the commercials or what you were talking about. It made me think about this. I was a little disappointed in the NFL and they mentioned earlier in the game about the cardboard cutouts and that you had to pay a hundred dollars to get your picture in there. What? After a season that that the NFL fans have had where they haven't been able to go to games and all this, the NFL is making people pay $100 to have their face on a cardboard cutout. To me, you would just donate that. Like, listen, we're going to donate, I don't know, hundreds of millions of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars to make sure that we have our fans that have supported us through the, the, the coronavirus crisis and COVID and all this other stuff. And we're not going to make them pay for a dog on cardboard cutout with their face on it. I was I was disappointed by that, actually. Really disappointed. Uh, we are going to be releasing some of our Super Bowl uh, interviews uh, the next week or two. Uh, I'm not going to give this one away yet, but Ingber, I do want this to be the, one of the first ones that we release. Uh, Westbrook, did you see uh, Jalen Rager's tweet and some of the reaction in which I was involved? And we, this will be explained in an episode. With I didn't see it. No. What did he say? Okay. Uh, l- let's just say that uh, he tweeted out like shake my head and we'll, we'll explain this on an upcoming podcast. Uh, and it, it got so much fans attention. Les Bowen, mm. Philadelphia Eagles writer even came at Jalen Rager and me for this seemingly innocuous tweet. And we will explain. No, he said SMH at Adam Lefko just to leave the people wondering like, what is he talking about? Oh. Right. And people did wonder and they wondered out loud. Yeah. I got attacked by Les Bowen. Did you? I'm not a big Les Bowen fan at all. Like literally one of the people that I despise in the media. I, I just, he's not, he's not the person that I, I would be friends with at this point. It was part of a long, larger conversation that I was having with Rager about uh, what, what is it really like dealing with the Philadelphia media? Mm. And that this is kind of how it all started. But uh, I'm just giving a little tease, yeah. little tease that's going to be coming soon. You're teasing me. Uh, oh, yeah. I wish you saw some of the reaction. I was hoping I was going to get a text from you being like, what the hell is yeah, going on? What did on? you say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anything else, Ingber? I know you, you watched the game. Anything else that I missed that you wanted to talk about? Uh, just that Bruce Arians becomes the oldest coach to win a Super Bowl. Um, that was something that I didn't realize. He stole the record from Bill Belichick, who won one at 66, and now Bruce Arians is 68. I know you guys both think of him as legends, but that's a, that's an incredible mark to have. How old is Pete Carroll? Is he like 72? 72. 
I'll tell you what, like, I hope I'm as cool as Bruce Arians at 68 and as physically fit as Pete Carroll at 72. Like Pete Carroll, 69, 69, but only for Rob Gronkowski to enjoy that fact. Bruce Arians. Nice. Bruce Arians being like 68 and being that damn cool, rocking a Kangol and shit. Like, yeah. What a legend. He is cool. I, I think the the players feel that, and that's one of the exciting – I was talking to McCoy, I mean, and he he loves – he calls him B.A. He loves Bruce Arians, absolutely loves him, um, and, and, and the way that he brings excitement to the team, and he allows the players to just go out there and play freely. Um, I was thinking about another another player that just had another – a great game, Devin White. Oh, my goodness. All over the field, <sighs> making tackles. And we talk about, you know, slowing down Travis Kelsey a little bit, those linebackers, Levante David and Devin White, did a great job of at least being underneath so that, that, that Mahomes didn't have any easy passes to those guys, especially across the middle. Uh, you got to give both of those guys a lot of credit for the way that defense played. Um, we do have to kind of get a little sad. Uh, this is the last regular appearance of Brian Westbrook on the Left Coast Show for this season as we come to a close. Uh, if he'll come back, we are going to want to have him on again. Uh, but this is just uh, the end of his duty mm. here. And I just want to say that uh, it has been an absolute joy. Uh, I get asked often from Eagles fans, do you want to pinch yourself getting to talk to Brian Westbrook? And those are the moments I'm going to cry, and I'm trying not to. Let him to. out, brother. Let the tears uh, those out. Those are the moments. I'm really going to cry right now. This is fucking crazy. Those are the moments, though, when I appreciate it. Because for me, we're just talking. We're just shooting the shit. I consider you a friend. And so it's when other Eagles fans are like, that's got to be fucking crazy for you. When I'm like, whoa. And I take a step back and I think about it. Thank you for your hard work. Thank you for your effort. Thank you for your levity. The only thing that upsets me is that Ingber is your best friend, but I understand <laughs> it because there's a bond there that is unbreakable. <laughs> but I, I appreciate every Monday you bringing it, uh, and I love you a lot, and thank you. No, man, thank you guys. I appreciate you guys more and more every week. And, of course, Dave is my best friend, and we talk all the time. That's because that's what best friends do, but I appreciate you yeah. just, as, just as much, Adam. You uh, – you know, I, I get questioned all the time, like, you know, well, how, how is left call? I say, well, you see him on the show. That's who he really is. He's not faking. He's not pretending. That's who he really is. Just a great dude, a dude that you want to hang out with and be friends with. And I, I think that means, you know, just imagine what's going on in this world. We're seeing crazy stuff from all over the place. At, at some point, you got to appreciate the small things. We talk about this. I, we almost close every show with this exact point. Appreciate the small things. Appreciate the people that are in your life, the good people. Um, and I appreciate both of you guys and, of course, our staff, the guys that work behind the scenes that have just done a right. terrific job as we're doing all of this um, off location. Uh, I appreciate everyone. Uh, thank you guys so much for having me again this season. Uh, Ingber, do you want to – we'll do it in the, in the finals, I guess. Okay, so for David Ingber. I think the Super Bowl, if it taught us anything this year, it's that unless you're two cops in an action movie fighting a room full of bad guys, it's really hard to go back to back. <laughs> 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 B
Speaking of which, I jokingly texted Ingber last night. I said, everyone's talking about the fact that Tom Brady is winning a Super Bowl at 43, and more need people need to be talking about how Queen Latifah is the new action star. It's <laughs> a strong take. CBS at 50 years old. They were like, you know what people are in the mood for? Queen Latifah as an aggressive physical cop. You know, blowing me away. Uh, for Brian Westbrook. The Rocket Man. And... I have two points. One, one, <laughs> no one noticed that, and I think because they panned away from it, but the streaker, and I think you might have seen this on Twitter, the streaker did a Brian Westbrook. I don't know if you saw, he, he made a couple people miss, did a spin move, and then went down at the one-yard line <laughs> yes. like a real champion. I appreciate that, uh, him paying homage to me. Thank you, whoever you are, Mr. Streaker. You're probably just getting out of jail right now. Uh, but I appreciate that. But I, I, I do want to say this again, and this is kind of go to the point that we, we've always have been towards the end of the shows, you know, here with this season. Um, usually at the end, you get upset. I remember the last game in Philadelphia, my last time that I walked into that locker room, um, you know, for our, our exit meetings. And I, and I knew it was the end. I knew I wasn't going to be coming back. And I sat there and I was the last one there. And I'm going through my locker, just going through remembering things. And in these days, kind of rem- make me remember that. I appreciate you guys and the time that we spend together on every Monday. But it also gets you started. I mean, it's not necessarily in. It just resets the clock. And now we're counting down to the draft. Now we're counting down to 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 all-season workouts and counting down to next season. And hopefully I look forward to seeing both of you guys again next season and sharing the podcast again. I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. In person. I can't In person, yeah. Please. Yeah. Please. In person. Uh I am the L-E-F-K-O-E man. Uh, We will be having some podcasts coming out soon from Super Bowl Radio Row. At the same point, now that the season's over, uh, your boy schedule's getting a little crazy. And we may go in a little dips and dodges and turns. We're going to be leaning on Connor Rogers to get us ready for the draft. We're going to bring in some people because I'm going to be honest, I need to study for the NBA. We're going to have some people on to talk about that. I also found out that I may have a, a bigger role in some college basketball. Nice. And uh, at the same point, that means I need to start watching college basketball. So we are going to have some people on with that. So we're going to, this this thing is going to be moving and shaking and dipping and dodging. Get to know so, Villanova hoops. Uh, That's all you need to know. Villanova. The fact that I can say things like, Jay Wright, I already feel like I have a leg up. I know who the coach is. <laughs> That's good. Uh, love you guys. Uh, Westbrook, Ingber, let's see who else. I know I got the two Knicks, Gian Grande and McIntosh. Uh, Gabe has been with us all year. Uh, Mark Van Reith holding it down. Uh, a big shout out to my guy, Jake Voorhees uh, and Eddie Moster. These are the two guys that absolutely, when you guys don't listen to the show, but you watch the clips and you go, oh, wow, that's a really professional outfit. Those two are the dudes that are executing it and getting it done. And they have to not only listen to us now, but then re-listen to us later. (laughs) That's painful. So a big shout out to them, uh, to Tracy and Steve and everybody that's that's getting it done. Love you guys a lot. To the 33%, we'll be back soon. Love you guys.